Welcome everyone to today's devotion. Um, still at home, um, but uh, uh, nevertheless, we can still um, look at God's word together. From Second Peter chapter three, so we're finishing Second Peter today. Tomorrow, Lord willing, we'll look at the book of Jude, which is convenient. Uh, I didn't plan it this way, um, but uh, tomorrow morning we'll look at the whole book of Jude, and in the evening, uh, Wednesday night Bible study. Uh, will be both in person and and live stream. Um, we're going to start uh, about a four-week series, give or take, um, on the book of Jude. Uh, so we'll go in great detail. We'll go in pretty significant detail this upcoming Wednesday. Um, but we want to finish Second Peter 3. Uh, these two books are almost always grouped together. Uh, the reason is because Jude... Uh, and, and Second Peter seem to have borrowed from each other. I think Jude borrowed from Second Peter. Um, others view it the opposite, or there's a common source or, or whatever. Uh, nevertheless, let's let's finish two Peter three. Remember, we're dealing with false teachers, and and um, and one of the issues is that of morality. So the two issues he deals with is sensuality and greed in chapter two. Chapter three, he's going to point to the Christian. What are we to look forward to? And the answer is, look forward to the coming of Christ. Um, and so this is very similar to First and Second Thessalonians, which is very much driven by um, eschatology. 2 Peter does the same thing. He starts out, this is now the second letter I'm writing to you. Beloved, in both of them, I am stirring up your sincere mind by way of reminder. You should remember the predictions of the holy prophets, commandment of the Lord Savior, through your apostles. Knowing this, first of all, Scoffers will come in the last days with scoffing, following their own sinful desires. Um, so that is essentially a summarizing of the first two chapters. Um, and Peter's saying, you were warned that these days would come, and they are coming, which reminds us of his argument in chapter 2. Um, and he says their scoffing isn't just theological heresies, though that is it. We talked about it yesterday, but also are most clearly seen in how they live their life. They promote uh, ungodly living. Uh, verse 4, they will say, where is the promise of his coming? For ever since the fathers fell asleep, all things are continuing as they were from the beginning of creation. Um, so we, we, this is the first hint of, of the end times. The idea is, um, if Christ is coming in judgment, why should I worry about it? Because um, it's been now 2,000 years and Jesus ain't returned yet. Uh, right, Um that argument doesn't quite work, although we do hear it still today, things like this, um, the diminishing of the imminence and the certainty of Christ's return. Um, but it's sort of, uh, I, I find that if if I'm waiting for someone and they're five minutes late and then they're 10 minutes late and then they're 15 minutes late, part of me thinks, well, they're not going to come. The other part of me says, the second I start something new, they're going to show up, right? I, I, I think we can understand that. That's really Peter's point here is that the delay of Christ makes it more certain that he is coming, and he's coming more imminently, more uh, soon. Uh, verse 7, uh, he notices, but by the same word, so he's talking about creation, the heaven and earth that now exist are stored up for fire, being kept until the day of judgment and the destruction of the ungodly. Fire is a big emphasis in chapter 3, particularly uh, how we'll get a new heavens and new earth by the means of fire. There's two ways of interpreting that in Second Peter. One is um, is literal fire that that as God destroyed the earth in the days of Noah with water, which is sort of what he mentions here. 
um, he will in the latter, latter days destroy it with fire. And you have a new heavens and a new earth described here in 2 Peter 3 and in Revelation 21, 22. The other view is, is that fire is metaphorical. You just have a cleansing. Um, some things have to be purified by fire in order for, like gold, in order for it for it, it to be valuable. And that's what Jesus will do on the day of judgment. Uh, I, I don't have a say in either one of those. I go back and forth. Uh, but nevertheless, fire is a metaphor he, he uses here uh, quite a bit. He goes on in verse 9. The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise, as some count slowness, but is patient towards you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. The day of the Lord will come like a thief, and the heavens will pass away with a roar. Heavenly bodies will be burned up and dissolved, and the earth and the works that are done on it will be exposed. So, um, emphasis here is be patient, uh, but be anxious, right? Uh, God is not slow, but he is patient, and in that patience may you repent. Verse 11, uh, since all these things are thus to be dissolved... What sort of people ought you to be in lives of holiness and godliness? Waiting for and hastening the coming of the day of God, because of which the heavens will be set on fire and dissolved, and the heavenly bodies will melt as they burn. But according to his promise, we are waiting for new heavens and new earth in which righteousness dwells. His point is pretty clear. Look, if if Jesus is coming, how what is how should you live as a result? Right? And that's his big picture. Um, and if he's coming in judgment then may we live lives of holiness so as not to be subject to such destruction, condemnation, and judgment, all of which was uh, warned in, in chapter 2. Uh, but again, you see the emphasis on fire, um, and, and you have um, and the, the, the day of the Lord coming, a very common phrase in, in, in the Old Testament, the heavens will be set on fire um, and dissolved, and the heavenly bodies, that's the stars and the sun and all that, they, they too will burn. Again, that's either a literal burning or a metaphorical one. You can take whichever one you, you prefer. Um, so, uh, but that, that's the main, his main point in chapter 3 is look for the coming of Christ. It, he will come, and that should shape how we live our life um, now, and that, that is certainly true. Uh, if you're living your life in anticipation of the next election, it's going to affect the way you live. But if you're living your life in uh, the next, or really in, in the coming of Christ, that will affect your life as well. Choose to live your life in the imminence of Christ. Um, but I really want to emphasize uh, before we leave, starting in verse 14, go, go to the end, what Peter says about Paul. And that's important for a number of reasons, but, but the main thing I want us to see here is what the Bible says about the Bible. That may seem strange, uh, but the Bible actually comments on itself. Um, and in our series on Jude, we'll start tomorrow night, we'll talk about some of that with particularly source criticism. Um, but notice what Peter says here. Therefore, beloved, since you are waiting for these, that's the coming of Christ, be diligent to be found by him without spot or blemish and at peace. That's a great summary of Second Peter, particularly the last two chapters. Um, and count the patience of our Lord as salvation, just as our beloved Paul also wrote to you according to the wisdom given to him. Now, now, do we have this letter? I, I, I don't know. There's a matter of debate. Uh, you can certainly find parallels between what Peter says here and what Paul says elsewhere. Um, uh, and it, it's all going to depend on who is Peter writing to originally, and can we trace a letter back from Paul to them? Or did Paul write a circular letter that found its way to this church? I 
it's 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 beyond our our scope here. But clearly, uh, this church or these this group of believers have received a letter from both Peter and Paul, uh, which is pretty amazing when you, when you think about it. Um, it says verse sixteen, as he does um, in all his letters. So he he writes with wisdom, as he does in all of his letters when he speaks in them of these matters. There are some things in them that are hard to understand. Yeah, if you've been with us in all these devotions, we've come across some of them. Um, which the ignorant and unstable twist to their own destruction as they do the other scriptures. So notice what he said there. He said, there's a common theme with heretics, and that is they they uh, take the Bible and they will twist it in such a way that, that will f- conform to their worldview and, and their theology. Um, I remember years ago when my wife and I were in college, we weren't married, um, we were studying together at UofL, and a uh, security guard would come in and, talked to Amanda to discover she was a Christian, all this sort of stuff. He gave me this tape of, of this guy. Um, his name is leaving me. Some of y'all would, would recognize him, so I'm not going to say his name. Um, and he had me listen to it, and you want to know my opinion. I remember um, the guy asked, you know, like a week later, I listened to it. He says, well, what did you think? It was really profound, and, you know, and all of a sudden I was like, well, to be honest with you, I, I think it's kind of silly, <laughs> you know. Um, and And what the guy was doing was, he had taken essentially an elementary Hebrew class. A lot of his stuff was in the first three chapters of Genesis, and then he goes crazy with it after that. And he would he would take he would say, "Well, this word is translated this, but it can also mean this. Therefore, I'm going to say it means this, right?" And and so he would twist and um, really make scripture say what he wanted it to say. Well, that that is that is what man naturally does, um, and we've come across some of these. How we naturally want to redefine words um, in order to conform to our theology, um, and so Peter says, "Look, people have a tendency to do that with Paul's letters, and they still do." But you'll notice he says, "Not only do they do they do that with Paul's letters, they do it with the rest of Scripture." So in that phrase, Peter is equating. The writings of Paul with the Bible. And so what we have in the New Testament is the apostles understand that what they are doing is they are uh, contributing to what we now call a New Testament. They had a Bible and they were content with it, called the Old Testament. But they also knew that their writings would, would shape the church and be used as scripture. So the Bible is commenting on the Bible. Uh, So verse 17, you therefore, beloved, knowing this beforehand, take care that you are not carried away with the error of lawless people. Uh, This is the sin of antinomianism and lose your own stability, but grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Uh, That is a great way to end 2 Peter uh, 2 or 2 Peter 3. Uh, The whole book is a fantastic book. The main thing is, is find your stability in the gospel and do not be conformed to any false teaching, which will only lead you down a path of destruction. Well, Lord willing, we'll see you guys here tomorrow. We'll look at the book of Jude, and um, join us Wednesday night, Lord willing, and uh, we'll slowly work our way through uh, my favorite book in the New Testament. Hope to see you all there.